All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to start reading in verse number 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we certainly love you. And Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would bless, that you control what I say and how I say it. I pray that you would use me. Lord, I pray for mercy and grace and your help. Lord, that you would strengthen your people, that this would be a help, that we would leave here different, closer, stronger to you, more determined in our faith. And so, Lord, I pray. Lord, I certainly know it needs to be your word and your spirit that does anything of that sort. So I pray for that. Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted. <clears throat> Lord, if they have never been truly converted, I pray for that conviction, for that drawing. And, Lord, that even this morning they repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Again, Father, I love you. I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Yesterday for the men of faith, um, I, the first couple of sessions and the, the primary focus of it was on knowing God. Daniel chapter 11 talks about in the context, it was actually going to be during the, the Great Tribulation, and it says, They that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. The key to those who are spiritually strong in such a wicked and vile time, the key to those things who would accomplish great things was simple. Those that knew their God. So the emphasis was to know God, to know Him. To actually have Him as your goal, as your desire. Not a religion, not a method, not a church, but to know God, to seek Him above all else. We talked about things during that session I gave just, you don't have to be a theologian for this. I'm, I'm not talking even getting in the Bible and memorizing facts. And the you don't have to be a theologian. Not at all. It starts with things I said, no, if there's one thing you want to learn and know of God, n- number one, I said it was the cross. I mean, when you dive into that and you begin to understand all that God did in order to save you, all that, all that took place, through His suffering, uh, uh, through Him becoming a man, coming to this earth in order to save you, living the perfect life. And as you study what took place, as you know the cross and know what the Creator did to save you, oh, that will motivate you to serve Him. I pointed out how that in Romans chapter 12, Paul starts out saying, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I am begging you, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. That's chapter 12. So he's already laid a foundation for 11 chapters to get to that point. What was the first 11 chapters about? The cross. 
what it took for God to save you. I talked about, or you can dive into, or in addition to, know God's love. I mean, to think of of the incredible love of God for you and how that's so misconstrued in our society. How we see those today that don't understand it. I mean, you can see the, I, I broke it down in the liberal section of society or those that are turning from God. You have those who maintain an agnostic to an atheistic position. And then you have those who still say, no, I believe in God, even though they can be all for abortion. They can be all for gay marriage and all kinds of vileness and wickedness. They can even be living in it. And they say something like this, no, I believe in God, but my God is a God of love. And they leave it at that. I get news for you. Because I loved my children, I chastised them. It was out of love. Love doesn't mean you get to choose whatever way you want. Love, uh, parents recognize this. Love, when you love your child, that doesn't mean do whatever you want. I love you. No, it means out of that love you try and help and give direction and wisdom for their life so they're not suffering, so they make wise decisions for their life. But they also fail to realize that God is not just a God of love. There's two other attributes that are mentioned much more often than God's love in the Bible. God is holy and God is just. Just like his love isn't changing, neither are those. And as you learn of God's love for you, you get to the place, I, I try to lay out with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, um, chapter 5 and get in there where he said this, it was his, his motivation for the love of Christ constraineth us. Talking about, as he knew of God's love for him, how that motivated him. Saying, listen, th- that's what controls me when I see the fact that the Creator actually knows me and loves me. So I stress the importance above no God. No God. That is the key to spiritual strength. That is the key to accomplishing something. Then I talked about knowing truth. The importance of knowing truth. As we come to this message... I think many of us understand that the Christian life is not a walk in the park, and the Bible never said it would be. The Bible over and over compares it to warfare. And if you're going to be successful in this warfare, you have to know the battle plan. You have to not only know God, know the truth, but you have to know the battle Our text that I'm reading, that we just read here this morning, shows us truths about this battle and what you need to be successful. You've got to understand, once you have determined, listen, I want to know God. Just like yesterday, if you were listening and you left us, listen, I do, I want to know Him. I want to know truth. That's good, but I'm telling you, a battle is coming then. It's going to happen. You have to have a battle plan in place. That's what Paul is giving us. I mean, our knowledge of God is so important that it's going to be attacked. Just like I stress, you have to know God, know God, know God. I mean, uh, we try to see it throughout the Word of God, the importance of knowing God. And look here, when Paul is dealing with the spiritual warfare that takes place, he says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. 
Remember, you're, how you view God, how you view the world, your life, it directs you, whether you realize it or not. It has enormous impact on you and those in the sphere of your influence. Again, many times we make good decisions for Christ that are right. A genuine desire to change. Not being a hypocrite. But we fail to see a battle is coming. Or, many times this is much more common. We're not prepared for the right battle. And you end up fighting in the wrong place. You have to know the battle. During World War II, the United States, and with England for that matter, we engaged in this campaign of deception to mislead Germany about where the location of the invasion of Normandy would take place. The invasion of Europe, I should say, would take place. The, the, this, this organized military strategy, a plan of deception, was known as Operation Bodyguard. Under Operation Bodyguard was a key component called Operation Fortitude. Fortitude was aimed to create the impression that the location of the invasion would be in an entire another location, way up north. I can't remember the name of it. It starts with a C, I know that. Yes, yeah. So this is what they did under Operation Fortitude. Amazing. They created a fake army group. A fictional army group. It was called the First United States Army Group under the command of General George S. Patton. They used deceptive measures, inflatable tanks, dummy landing craft, fake radio traffic to make it appear as if, and even, even where they placed it, everything in England that is poised for this invasion in that Calais, in that other region. They used double agents as part of this. Providing the double agents were providing false information to the German command. They had turned German spies into these double agents, giving misleading details about where the invasion was going to take place. They had fake radio traffic. They had this sophisticated measure of radio deception that they wanted Germany to decode and grab hold of. All pointing to this other location. Not Normandy. Not Utah Beach. They used decoys as well under, under Operation Fortitude. All directed to divert Germany's attention from what was really taking place. From what they were actually planning and building up for. They used fake messages, fake signals, fake illusions of troop movements. They used dummy paratroops. They took everybody had a low IQ. That was, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, jumping out of an airplane, anyhow. That is courage. That is bravery. It ends there. No. <laughs> but they, they set up fake paratroopers. 
I mean, this was sophisticated. This was detailed. You want to know why? They knew the importance of Germany being deceived if they wanted to get a foothold in Western Europe with massive troops. The effort was incredibly successful. It worked. The German command reinforced that area. That was what they concentrated on, believing the invasion was going to hit there. The rest, as we know, is history. The Allies landed at the beaches in Normandy. They were able to get a foothold in, and so that war on that western front began. Now listen to me. Why did I give that story? Because many Christians are fighting on the wrong beach. You have fortified the wrong area. You have fallen for deceptive tactics. By the way, the center of this attack is going to be the knowledge of God. Multitudes of Christians try and fight the Christian fight after the flesh. And they lose. The devil was great at getting into independent fundamental Baptist churches. And he's going to attack us. The truth was there. The fervor, the desire. The multitudes began fighting after the flesh. They were on the wrong beach. Burnout hit. Little results. Turning to secular methods to try and produce results. It became difficult. It became hard. Because they're fighting the wrong battle. We do not war after the flesh. As Paul stresses in the text, the right weapons are so important. The weapons that we have available for this battle are not carnal. And so they're completely ineffective when you're using carnal methods in your warfare as weaponry. They're ineffective. Paul never fought the spiritual battle using human ingenuity, worldly wisdom, clever methodologies, none of that. They were powerless to protect him spiritually. Ineffective against the kingdom of darkness principalities and powers. To quote one commentator talking about the difference in weaponry. He's comparing those that would use what I've already mentioned, worldly wisdom, uh, um, different methodologies of humanistic approach. He said, you use those kind of methodologies to get people to produce a better product on the assembly line. Use those kind of things to make people happier with their environment. Use those things to make people uh, get along better with their friends and family. Those are human things. You get those things to make people feel more emotional, stable, and better about their life situation. I thought that was a great summary of how those methodologies are used and how Christians get sucked into them and they fight on the wrong battle with the wrong weapons. And spiritually... The devil gets a foothold in a key beach. The knowledge of God. 
which is where the real battle lies. Because the key to strength isn't any of those things. It's they that know their God shall be strong. They try and use these carnal weapons. It's literally, it's like using a BB gun compared to a 50 caliber sniper rifle. Think about the churches at Galatia. They had the wrong weapons around the wrong beach. The invasion came in dealing with what they understood about God. And they lost. They didn't see the attack coming in the form that it did. They were trying to maintain their churches and trying to say, listen, we're still doing right. We still have this in place. We have still this in place. They said, yes, you didn't protect the main area. Your knowledge of God. Deception has come in. A foothold has taken and you have left the gospel and you don't even know it. Paul, as he stresses here, he uses weapons, divine weapons from God. Not from the mind of men, but from God. Divinely empowered. That can destroy, and this is still the introduction, I'm just covering those verses of the weapons by, by introduction. He's getting to the battle plan. But he said, these weapons have the ability to destroy strongholds fortresses. When the Corinthians would read that, they would understand as well as anybody exactly what he was saying. They know Paul is using battle imagery, but now when he says strongholds, the word for fortress, sitting at Corinth was a massive fortress on top of a Acropolis, a hill that was right there. That when an invasion did come, they would all seek refuge in that fortress until the invasion was squelched. That word pulling down that is used means to destroy, to demolish. So they knew Paul was saying, in order to destroy these strongholds, these fortresses, you need divine weapons. We need God and not man's wisdom. Men, and especially the men that were present yesterday, Maybe yesterday, upon hearing those, those sessions, we spent, what, two hours on knowing God. Another one on knowing truth. You determine, listen, I need this. I need to know God. I need to know truth. But now the battles will come. And listen. There will be strongholds or fortresses in your own mind that need to be destroyed. Taken down. So now Paul gives us the battle plan. I give it to you in three P's. To protect, prison, and punish. Let's look at the first part of verse number five now. Here's the first part of the battle plan. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Again, 
yesterday stressing the importance of knowing God, of knowing God, to know Him, God, having that knowledge of God. And I, and I promise you, there will be attacks as you learn truth, as you learn of God, that knowledge will be attacked. And it's telling you here, Paul's saying, protect it. Protect what you know about God. There will be battles to remove it, to challenge it, to change it. The invasion is coming. This is a beachhead to defend. Not to let the enemy get a foothold in. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. You have determined to do right, to learn of Him. Listen, an invasion is coming. It will be directed at. Listen, there will be deceptive campaigns in place to get you in the wrong area, to get your defenses down of where the real battle is going to take place. It will be directed at the primary forces, your knowledge of God. The devil coming and saying this, Yea, hath God said. Did he not do this in the Garden of Eden? He had to attack Eve's knowledge of God. He had to twist it and change it. That's where the battle was. Think about this. Did he not do... And I, I could pull so many examples. I'm just going to use three. The Garden, as I've already mentioned. Secondly, Job. Job, we know, I mean, he is, he is one of the men. I mean, there's so many that I cannot wait just to talk to when I get to heaven. One, just say, thank you. Man, was your life a help to me. Thank you. I mean, to tell him, when you, when you just stood up after you lost everything, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just to let him know, when I read that, I got it. It's, it's, that's one of the key verses of my life. It's simply about God. Not what He does for me. It's about Him. But think where the real attack came. His friends and his wife. Do you know what they were attacking? His knowledge of God. What he knew to be true about God. The third one, the Lord Jesus Christ during his temptation. Satan wanted to twist that too. He had zero chance there. We know that. There was, there was no chance. But nonetheless, he attacked Christ by going after truth and the knowledge of God. If we look at the, there's another thing they have to point out, another avenue that the devil can come with this invasion. Let's say he knows that part of the beach is fortified. Let's say that's Utah. But he also has Omaha. All right? And that is being able to establish something in your mind and in your heart that you put above God. Those high things. Against the knowledge of God. Something that takes a priority in your heart and in your life. That should not be there. 
something you're going after, something that steals your heart, steals your focus off God. Cast it down. Protect it. Protect the position that the knowledge of God should have in your mind and in your heart. Don't dwell on those things. Get back to the knowledge of God. Cast it down. The following one I'm going to read to you is from a psychiatrist, so you know it's going to be good. Now, we've we got to give his credentials. He is a psychiatrist at Harvard. Former Southern Baptist. So at a time, this is a man who had truth. There was a time, and I'm supposing that he was in a decent church, might not have, but let's just say based on, on, on what we know, that, that he had truth and knowledge of God. But he wasn't ready for the battle. Let's quote from this psychiatrist from Harvard. His name is Dr. Wilson. Quote, bitter experience has taught us that fundamentalist religion in its aggressive form is one of the unmitigated evils of the world. You say, well, maybe he's just talking about the Muslim religion. And we put that in context yesterday for the, for the men. I, I, I might mention that briefly later. He also wrote this, to finish quote, get rid of the gospel, get rid of fundamentalism. Now, let me establish two lies he's coming at there. All right, you can see a guy, this is a man who had his knowledge of God attacked, it was gone, he fell as a result. Now, those who have always held true to the genuine fundamentals of Scripture were never the ones wreaking havoc. They were the ones staying on a course of meekness of trying to change the world through the gospel. It was only through things like the Muslim religion. It was never based in truth. Or an error came in with Catholicism. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, because knowledge was attacked, that was never protected, they turned to man's writing from Augustine, and all of a sudden now, the church is the kingdom, and we will conquer. And bloodshed happened. But those who held true to the knowledge of God were not the ones doing devastation. The genuine fundamentalist? No. It was never the case in world history. Hitler, in world history, if you know who Nietzsche is, that philosopher, he was the one who, who popularized, due to his writing, that... God is dead. Okay? This is going back to the 19th century. Um, and, and of course, I've studied his life because it's fascinating. His death is just brutal. I mean, just brutal. Hitler, though, took his theory on God, basically, that God is dead, and that really helped him drive that atheistic worldview to its logical conclusion. And now you have a man in power because of, of, of raw knowledge of God, because of no truth, and you can see the devastation that leads to. The word used here for imaginations, let's talk about that for a second, it has the meaning of thoughts, ideas, opinions, reasonings, philosophies, theories, ideologies. All those that I mentioned, by the way, can be forts, fortresses that men hide in. 
to try and protect themselves even against God. You have to cast down those imaginations, those thoughts against God, thoughts against His truth. Yet so often, we know they're there and we choose to ignore them or enjoy our rebellion. Perhaps the greatest indicator for the state of your soul before God, your spiritual life, is your mind. And I don't have time to get There are so many ideologies in this world that are destructive, that are directly against God. We can think of atheism itself, which is obvious, which seems to remove God, denying his very existence. Paul was in another fortress, that of religion, his Judaism. He was entrenched in that. Even to the point where he thought what he was doing was God's service. But know what changed it for him on that road to Damascus? Truth. Knowledge of God. When it hit, it's true. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So this warfare that takes place has a focus of attacking your knowledge of God, what you believe to be true about God. You cast down those thoughts. You cast down those ideas. You remove those concepts. You remove those worldviews that are contrary to the knowledge of God. What you have learned to be true, protect it. We can think on multitudes who had their knowledge of God attacked. What at one point they knew to be true. It thrilled their soul. But they weren't ready for the battle. Maybe trying to fight it in that fleshly front while the devil was setting a foothold in on a beach. To skew, to change, to remove, to attack what they knew to be true about God. <clears throat> we know of those that allow that to take place. <clears throat> it usually takes form in two areas. The devil has different ways he can come about this, not just one. Usually if he gets the foothold in, he attacks the knowledge of God, it can lead to gross immorality or gross error in your belief system. Embracing stuff that you're just like, what? Embracing great error. Believing it to be true. 
The divine weapon and the devil will always attack and try and get you away from just this. Because the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It is. So I said, when I mentioned earlier, I said, I don't think you have to be a great theologian. I don't. By any means. But let's just say you dove in, you understood all about the cross. I mean, that will change you. It will motivate you when you see what he did for you. It will ground you when you hear error. When, you, when you're knowing that the knowledge is growing and you're protecting and casting down imaginations against the truth of salvation in Christ alone through what he did on that cross. So the first part of the battle plan is to protect the knowledge of God. Casting down imaginations. And, and that's ideas and philosophies and thoughts. Every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Secondly, not only do you got to protect, but now involves prison. Or to imprison would be better, but it didn't start with a P. Look at the last half of, of verse 5. And bringing into captivity... Every thought to the obedience of Christ. There's some things you've got to put in prison. There's a battle for your mind. The next part of the battle plan is you're going to have to take prisoners in this war. Prisoners have to be taken and this is dealing with your thoughts. The word maintains the idea of forced submission. So this isn't going to be easy. This isn't like you can deal with We know the problems we have with our thought life. This isn't just a matter of, okay, time to go to prison. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm done. I'll leave your mind now. Forced submission. It's battlefield imagery. There are things you have to take captive to bring into captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Listen, you have to take your thought life and what you dwell on seriously. Defend it. Don't let, listen to me, this is so important. Don't let wrong thoughts against the knowledge of God or things that will hurt you run free in your mind. You put them in prison. Just like right now. In the United States of America, we're a hated nation by a, a significant portion of this world. Do you think it's a pretty good political move just to let terrorists run free? No. If we find them, throw them in prison now. Don't let them run free so they can do their destruction. Put them in prison you got, you got these terroristic thoughts running around in your mind that are there to destroy you, to change you. And really, that's the thing about the terrorists. It, it matches with what's going on in our mind because what they want to change is how we view the world. Those same thoughts, those thoughts of sin and impurities and questions on God, they are there to change how you view God. Put him in prison. Don't let them run free in your mind. If you don't, 
Seeds are planted, and boy, they can grow. It can lead to gross sin. It can lead to great error doctrinally. It can destroy you. Take it captive. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want you to see one thing here. Can't quite quote it, so I need you to turn there. Or I would have. This is this is for every single person to understand that, um, and it's a pastoral epistle, but it's for all of us. But to see the, the, the importance of what he's driving at, here's a young pastor in Timothy, a man that it, we, we discussed him on where he came to know Christ on Paul's first missionary journey. By the second, and Paul is taking him with him. The guy's growing, learning of God. Look at verse 20. Oh, Timothy. You can see the pleading there, the heart there in this. Keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Look what he's telling him. Timothy, what you've learned and what you know, don't pollute it. Protect it. Protect what you know to be true about God. The devil is an expert at polluting or watering down the knowledge you have learned of God because that affects how you live. It affects your ability to be salt. It affects your ability to be light. It affects your ability to glorify God with your life. Stay away from the things that go against truth. Stay away from things that attack your faith. Be wise to that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. Bring into captivity every thought. You see, your thoughts, it's, 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 it's a start in every single one of us of an intellectual process. As you dwell on them, you can form ideas. You can form a belief system all of a sudden. You can try and come to these conclusions in your own mind. On one side, that's why I said it, it can take two, two forms that are the most devastating whether that is the moral failure or the great error failure doctrinally. Multitudes have gotten off with it on error in different ways with thoughts and ideas that they did not put into captivity. What they already knew to be true, not ready for the battle. The devil saw it and said, oh, wait, wait, this is getting serious. Just like you men yesterday when I stressed knowing God and some of you say, that's what I want to do. The devil, he, he's not going to just lay back. This is getting serious. An invasion needs to happen. He's going to come at what you know about God. Multitudes have went off. I'm just going to, I'm just going to search the internet and see what I, I can actually learn about God. You know what? Why don't you try searching the scriptures to see what you can learn about God? It's not in the blogs. It's in here. I mean, he's using imagery of warfare in dealing with your mind. That's how serious you are to take this. 
Use a discipline of mind to bring into captivity. Memorize Scripture. Think on things that you should as Philippians chapter 4 directs us. Pure and just and right. Think on things that promote and strengthen your knowledge of God. By the way, the more you know truth and the more you protect it, the more you recognize error. Number six, and I'll cover this very quickly. This is, just a, this is a very simple one, that I, at least note-wise. It, it could be much, uh, much more, but I'm just going to be very brief with it. And, and that's, I even have it brief in my notes. Verse six, the third part of the battle plan. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, we're going to make this on a personal level for us with what we're dealing with. Now, I believe to, to set the scripturally with what Paul was doing with the Corinthian churches, they had a lot of problems. This is Second Corinthians. Several of those things that they, 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 had, they did get right, but there was still an element there that was attacking their knowledge of God. There were deceivers in the church. And Paul is here, basically, by the way, when your obedience is filled, take care of them. Take care of them. Get them out. We're dealing with this on a personal level. So this P is to punish. To put down. Put down all resistance. Again, the analogy, once again, Paul uses is a battlefield. To put down, it's like this, any revolt after the conquest has happened. So just because you win, let's say you're doing great. You've won some battles. Some strongholds have come down. You're knowing God. i got news for you. Revolts are still coming in your mind. Devil's not giving up. He says, you be ready. Be ready after the conquest. Be ready. You have, you experience victory. You see change in your life. Boy, you're excited. Revolts are coming. He stresses, be ready. Don't put your guard down. Don't remove the defenses. Stay prepared to cast down imaginations. To bring every thought into captivity. Don't quit. Realize all that is at stake. He's saying this. Stay resolute. Stay determined. Don't allow a series of victories all of a sudden for you to lay back and think, hey, we're pretty good now. We're all right. The devil's just waiting for that open door. For a revolt to come. It's a battle. The Bible stresses that so many Christians have in their mind that somehow the Christian life shouldn't be a battle. It is. It is. And by the way, the things that we love, listen to me, the things that we love, I mean genuinely love, like our families, our nation, are worth fighting for. And above both of those is God. It's a battle, but you know what? It's worth fighting for. 
But the day is coming where there will be no more war. No more battle in my mind. Completely over with. But now, I want to be found, as Paul instructed, being a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to protect that knowledge of God. You have to imprison, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Put things in place that help you. Memorize Scripture. Uh, don't, don't allow those thoughts that you know shouldn't be there. Run free. Don't dwell on them. Say, no, I'm not going there. And when you're doing well, and that's going to, if you'll do this, man, God's Spirit's going to help. You're going to be in His Word. It's, it's going to be good. But there's revolts coming. Put them down. So many people, they're doing great, they're doing good, and all of a sudden the revolt comes, they're in no way ready for it. Or they just determine, you know what, I'm just done fighting. No! Stay resolute! Stay in the fight! Don't quit! Because as we sing the song, it will be worth it all when we see Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed.